In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am going to think ahead and talk about the potential candidates to be the first pick in the 2024 NBA Draft. I know Summer League starts today. You want to hear about Summer League, but I can't wait. I've been researching and studying and watching film on the prospects for 2024 class. Not as strong of a class as 2023, but I just wanted a break from talking about the 2023 guys to talk about 2024. So stay tuned to find out the candidates that could be the number one pick in next year's draft. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. It is July 3rd. Free agency started this weekend. It was a crazy weekend in the NBA. Then Summer League starts today with the California Classic and the Salt Lake City Summer League. But before we get into me talking about the summer league and the top prospects in 2024. I want to tell you about prize picks because this episode is brought to you by prize picks. And if you're a first time user, you can receive up to a 100% instant deposit match up to hundred dollars, but you have to use the promo code locked on that's prizepicks.com promo code locked on. All right. As I mentioned, summer league starts today. You got the California Classic. Me and Richard Stamen covered that in Friday's episode. And then you also have the Salt Lake City Summer League, which starts today. Basketball is back after a few weeks of no basketball. Basketball is back. I'm looking forward to it. I will be in Las Vegas for the Summer League, which starts on Friday. But I want to talk about the 2024 NBA Draft. I know it's way early. And for me, after talking about a class for eight months, it's refreshing to just watch new prospects. I like to come into it somewhat unknown. I mean, even though I keep up with it, I know the guys, but I like to come into it a little bit unknown, watching all the prospects film and just coming up with new strengths and weaknesses. I'm way ahead of where I was at this time last year because last year, around this time I was planning for, planning for the birth of my son. So I'm way ahead. 2024 class it is intriguing. I know at one point a few weeks back, I was not looking forward to it because there's not a lot of big names, but you, you never know. Names could emerge. And so I want to talk about the guys that are candidates to go number one. As of right now, it's not a strong class. There's no Victor Wimbayama. I don't think there's a Kay Cunningham. I don't think there's a Zion Williamson in this class. I think there's some pretty good players, but as far as guys that can come in and just change the franchise immediately, I, I, don't, I don't think so. So I wanna talk about the players that are being discussed as potential number one picks. The guy that I like right now as the guy that I think could be the number one pick is Justin Edwards. Justin Edwards is going to Kentucky 6'7", 180, a little bit older for his class. There were guys in the 2023 draft who are younger than Justin Edwards. He's 19 and a half years old right now. He'll actually be 20 on draft day, which is not too crazy. I mean, the Thompson, the Thompson twins were 20. Brandon Miller were tw was, was also 20. So I don't think it's going to have much of an impact. But he's 6'7", 180. He is 
someone that has the NBA positional size. He has a long wingspan. He's versatile. He's fluid. He's coordinated. I think he's a good ball handler. And for me, I like wings that can handle the ball and create their own offense or create space. Um, he, he's a lefty. He is known for making and taking, or should I say taking and making tough shots. He can pull up off the dribble. Kind of reminds me somewhat of what I said about Brandon Miller at this time last year as a, a big wing, even though he's not as big as Brandon, but a wing that can create off the dribble, elevate over the top of guys and get to his pull up. Now, that's not a lot. That's not something that we saw out of Brandon at Alabama. He was mostly a guy that shot a lot of threes and, and got to the rim. But I think Justin Edwards has some similarities. He's a transition finisher. He's a good shooter from deep. Is he going to shoot 40% or 39, 38% like Brandon did? That's up in the air, but I think he's a good shooter. But he's a better finisher around the rim. He's also a good rebounder, similar to Brandon Miller. He gets a lot of offensive rebounds. But on the defensive end, we're talking about a guy that gets a lot of blocks and steals. He averaged over a block per game based off of the, the numbers and the stats that I had. And he's a good passer. He had a positive assist-to-turnover ratio. Now, the concerns are the shooting consistency. He's a good athlete, but sometimes I think that he lacks a little bit of vertical pop when he's jumping off of one foot. Now, even though he is a good shooter and the shooting consistency needs to be improved, what makes it a little bit concerning is that he is an average foul shooter. He's an average foul shooter. But again, he's a little older for his class. He's going to Kentucky. Kentucky has a very interesting draft class this year. I don't know how they're going to make all the pieces fit. I have no idea. You got DJ Wagner, then you got Rob Dillingham, who's like my favorite player to watch from an entertainment standpoint. I'm just curious to see how that's going to pan out because Rob needs a lot of freedom. He is dancey and fancy, shifty, but he, he needs a lot of freedom to be him. So I'm just wondering how that's all going to work out. But Kentucky's dilemma is nothing like the dilemma that they're facing with the G League Ignite. Now the Ignite have so many prospects. I think there's like eight prospects that all have like first round potential. And I know Dink Pate is um, one of the players that they, they signed. He's not eligible for this year's draft, but he's someone that I think is gonna be really good. Somebody we're gonna be talking about in 2025. Now the debate is who is the best prospect on the Ignite. Is it Matas Bazoulis, a 6'11", 200-pound wing, or is it Ron Holland, a 6'8", 200-pound, undersized four slash wing, and, and Ron is young. Ron, Ron is only 18 years old. So I'm going to start with Matas Bazoulis. And I had a chance to watch him play at Basketball Without Borders All-Star Weekend, and I thought he was good. He was the best player there. He was the MVP there. But I didn't see like number one pick in him. Like it didn't scream number one pick. Sometimes when I watch a guy play, I automatically say, all right, this is number one pick. Whether it was Ben Carroll, whether it was Cade, Jalen Green. I mean, you can even say the same about Scoot. I mean, I knew Victor was number one <laughs> before he could even get a driver's license. Mata scream lottery pick top five. I didn't see number one pick 
but it's a possibility. Again, 6'11", 195, he's very skilled. He's a skilled wing at 6'11", he's coordinated, fluid, handles the ball like a guard, plays like what you will want out of your modern day four. I'm sorry, your modern day four or your modern day three. Should be able to go between playing a three and a four, offers the versatility. He can shoot the ball, has some creative creativity with the ball in his hands. He's a good athlete. Not like freakishly great, but he is a, a good athlete. And you really see it in transition on the defensive end where he gets a lot of steals and, and finishes there. He is a very good three-point shooter. According to my numbers, he shot 43% last season. And he's a guy that can be like your three and D wing that can create his own shot. So again, I get the intrigue, like I said, just doesn't scream number one pick to me, but I like the defensive upside, plays the passing lanes, the versatility, like I said, as far as the ability to switch. He is also a pretty good passer. And so I think that he is someone that is going to be a great, great, like, complimentary piece or second option to a superstar. I think he's going to be like a multi-time all-star. Well, I'm, I'm way ahead of myself, but I think he has the tools to be like that versatile multi-time all-star. Has a little bit of, maybe it's a lazy comparison, but with his defensive versatility as far as like his ability to block shots and get steals, Maybe a poor man's Karolinko, in a sense. Again, it could be a lazy comparison, but I think he has way more offensive game than Andre Karolinko. Um, good soft touch around the rim, has a good motor. He's active on the glass. Again, good shot blocker at 6'11", 195. So he is highly coveted, and the more I'm reading off this stuff, the more I'm, I guess I'm talking myself into why he could be the number one pick. Now the concerns are, he is slim, needs to put on weight, but 6'11", 195 is not too bad. Due to his lack of strength, I think there are times where he struggles finishing around the rim in contact, but I can pretty much say that for almost any prospect because most guys are going to be slim and, and, and struggle with finishing through, through contact. Now, the biggest concern is even though I think he has good court vision and he can make reads the decision making is a work in progress according to my numbers he had 50 assists and 74 turnovers in high school now that number could i mean it could improve or it could get worse by playing in the g league because the competition is going to be a lot tougher so that is my scouting report on Matas Bazoulas, who is going to play for the G League Ignite, which again is just absolutely loaded. All right, when we return, I want to talk about Ron Holland. Ron is a, another guy from Dallas. If you've been listening to my podcast, you know that Dallas is where I reside at, and Dallas has a ridiculous amount of NBA prospects. We had, I think, six guys from Dallas drafted in, in last month's draft. And Ron is the, he's next in line. He's the next Dallas guy that I think is going to be a lottery pick. And he has the potential to be the number one pick. But let's talk about prize picks before we get into Ron Holland. And prize picks is basically daily fantasy made easy. All you have to do is pick two to six players 
and you decide if they will score more or less than the prize picks projection and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry you're not competing against other people it is just you versus the projected numbers and prize picks offers projections on pretty much any sport nba nfl nhl major league baseball WNBA, college football, college basketball, esports, soccer. I mean, the list goes on to the projections. And more importantly, the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is pretty fast, it is easy, it is safe, you get your money out fast. And it is currently operational in 30 states and Canada. All you have to do is download the PricePix app, go to pricepix.com, and you can sign up to play daily fantasy sports. And if you're a first time user, First time user, you can, use a, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for tomorrow's episode, it will be a recap of day one of the 2023 Summer League in Las, I'm sorry, not Las Vegas, in Salt Lake City and the California Classic. All right, let's talk about Ronald Holland or Ron Holland. Ron Holland is a player that I've had a chance to watch a few times over the years. Like I mentioned before, he's from the Dallas area. My first time watching him play was a game where he played against Imani Bates. And I think Ron was either a freshman, I think he was a freshman, maybe a sophomore. But the marquee matchup was Duncanville, which is like a powerhouse in Dallas. I mean, Anthony Black played there. I mean, they've had some really good players. They've won multiple state championships. And Anthony Black wasn't on the, the team when I watched him play Imani Bates. So it was a big showcase. It was at the American Airlines Center. Now often do you see a high school game at the AAC. And the person that stood out to me the most was Ron Holland, just because he, as a freshman, he impacted the games with this ridiculous motor. I mean, he is the epitome of just energy, hustle, and effort. If he were described as a car, you'd say he has a V12 motor because his, it just never stops. And he's 6'8", 200 pounds, he just impacts game with his defense, energy, effort, rebounding, hustle plays, can attack closeouts, is an improving shooter. He's definitely an improving shooter. I wouldn't say that's his greatest strength right now, but he is a good finisher around the rim. He's a really good slasher, makes multiple efforts, a transition finisher. He's a good score off the dribble, may not necessarily be like the shake and bake and creating space and, and like, as far as like being really shifty but it's more so you give him two dribbles and he's very efficient with his dribble he's getting to his spots which is getting downhill getting to the rim does have a good touch around the rim is a, a good finisher but his biggest asset is his defense the energy the motor and he is a good passer not necessarily like you know like a point forward type passer but he is a great ball mover, has really good instincts, very unselfish, and he's just a winner. He's a winner, and he's the type of guy that brings the effort, on, and I know I keep talking about effort energy, but I mean, when you talk about Ronald Holland, you can't 
not talk about the effort and the energy. He gets rebounds, turns rebounds into personal fast breaks. Really good athlete. Now the concern is his NBA position. Now, I know the NBA is positionless, but he's about 6'8". He's not necessarily like a natural wing. I would love it if he was like 6'11 or, or, or 7 foot. He would be a lot to be the number one player in the draft. I think if he were like that tall, you probably want to compare him to like Anthony Davis. So again, he's 6'8". So he's a little bit of an undersized four, has some wing skills, but the question I have for him is what is his NBA fit? And then because he has like such a, a great motor and he's such a high energy guy, there are times where it looks like he's playing a little bit out of control. But I've seen multiple people, multiple scouts tell me that they think he is the number one pick in 2024. Again, it's still too early, but he is, um, a def he is definitely a, a candidate. Now here's a guy, and I don't want to sound like a hater. Here's a player, and I talked about him on a podcast, I want to say in November 2021. It is Zachary Share from France. Now, Share is a player that some people have talked about in the running to be number one. I don't think so. As of right now, as of today, July 3rd, 2023, I don't think he's the top 10 pick. Now, he has the tools. He has the physical tools. He's 6'9", can handle the ball, can move off the ball. I think he has upside as a shooter. He has all the physical tools. Then he has the, the pedigree. His dad played professionally. Very talented. But every time I've seen him play, he just just does not stand out to me as far as like the competitive fire and making impacts on, on, on games. I went to one game last year, it was the championship game at the Adidas Next Generation Tournament in Belgrade. And I wanna say he was like 0 for 10 from the floor, but had absolutely no impact. Every time I've seen him play in a big game, he just absolutely does nothing. But if it is a game where it's you know, not necessarily a really highly competitive game and there's not a lot of pressure, then you can see like all the skill set. I mean, big wing, can handle, can shoot a little bit, can put the ball on the floor, good athlete, passes. I mean, he's like, he's a guy that if you put in a lab what you would want, like a six, nine wing to be in today's NBA, he has all the skills but it's just the intangibles that, that are really, really concerning to me. And that's why I'm not as high on him as others. I know he, he just recently played at the Under-19 World Cup and got off to an absolutely terrible start, which wasn't all that surprising to me because, again, my concern with him is not the talent, not the physical tools, it's just he just lacks the competitive fire that I want out of a player and I think he disappears. But overall, if he can fix that, if he can fix that and, and put it all together, then he would definitely be someone that I think could be a top five pick. But right now, I don't have him in, in my top five. All right, when we return, I want to talk about a couple more players that I think could be 
in the range of going top five, maybe number one. And this is just kind of based off of some other scouting reports that I've seen that people are talking about potential number one picks. So stay tuned. And I want to talk to you about Cody Williams and then a couple sleepers. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. And the, the last player that I want to talk about that has a chance to go number one is Cody Williams. And Cody is taking the non-traditional route and he is going to the University of Colorado. And Cody is 6'8", 185 from Arizona. I has a brother that you guys are probably familiar with in, in Jalen Williams. And I like Cody. I think he does have a chance to be the, the top player. He has good size at 6'8". He's skilled, he's coordinated, he's, he's smooth and fluid. That's the best way I can describe his athleticism. Smooth and fluid. He's good vertical pop. He is a versatile offensive weapon. He's someone that I think could end up in NBA playing some four, some three, uh, maybe even some two in a, like a big lineup just because he's, he's so versatile. He's a creative and crafty ball handler, has good offensive creativity, has soft touch. He can attack the rim off the dribble, has long strides to the rim. Think he will be able to play some point forward. Maybe not as a primary, but I think he could be like a, a really, really good secondary ball handler because he has good passing instincts. And he's just an efficient finisher around the rim. My concerns is he's not really physical. The outside shooting is still a work in progress. He'll, he'll need to improve on that. And then he's more comfortable playing with the ball in his hands and shooting off the dribble than he is off the catch. And so I think he's going to be able to shoot off the, the dribble at Colorado, but maybe in the NBA shooting off the catch if he's paired with like a, a dominant ball handler could be an issue. Three. But yeah, Cody Williams is a guy that I think should be in the running or his name should be mentioned up there as a potential number one pick. Now I want to talk about a couple guys that I don't think will go number that are in that discussion to go number one, but a couple of freshmen that I think um, could definitely end up being top 10 picks. And we'll go with DJ Wagner. DJ Wagner is a name that has been around for a while. He's known as Dewan Wagner's son, third generation McDonald's All-American. He is a bucket. He is the epitome of your creative and crafty scoring guard. He's a shifty ball handler, changes speeds. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of game. You can tell that he's been playing whether he's playing his dad one-on-one -on -one or something, but he just has all of these natural scoring instincts. He's tough, he's competitive. He has a quick first step. He's a very aggressive downhill attacker. And what's crazy is, it's almost like you can tell that when he was growing up, someone told him, hey, you gotta work on your left hand, you gotta work on your left hand, because he's like a righty that plays like a lefty, loves to get to his left. Just a very gifted offensive scorer. Flashes, court vision, I think he's a capable passer. Kind of reminds me of Keontae George in a sense where, you know, in high school he was a big time scorer, but every once in a while you saw like the, the flashes of, of court vision. And if he can balance it out, then I think that, well, right now I think he's more so of a combo or a combo leaning more towards a two than a one, but I think the vision is there. It's just a matter of putting it all together and just growing and developing as a passer. He's a guy, like I say, he's an aggressive downhill attacker and he loves to get downhill, which means he generates a lot of fouls and he's a pretty good foul shooter. 
The concern is the shooting. As of right now, I don't think that he is a good outside shooter. Another concern I have is his NBA role. He's more like a, a combo than a one, but it's hard to like survive and thrive in the NBA if you're like a combo guard that is best with the ball in your hands, but you're not a good outside shooter. He is a little bit turnover prone, so I, I do think that he's going to have to develop as a point guard. He's someone that, honestly, if he has a really good year at Kentucky, it wouldn't catch me off guard. But if he struggles and his lack of shooting and, and lack of um, playmaking or decision making gets exposed, then that, that wouldn't be, you know, shocking to me either. All right. Here's a player that I like a lot. And I think I'm higher on him than the consensus. El Marco Jackson. Now, I, he's the guy that popped to me. Like, you know, when I, when I watch film, it's, it's like listening to a new song. And sometimes you can watch or, or, or listen to like the first 10 seconds of a song and you know whether you like it or not. And for me, when I watch film on players, sometimes it's within the first five seconds whether or not I like a guy. Unfortunately, when I'm watching film, I can't just cut it off like I do with music. Like if it's a song I don't like, skip, next one. So when I watch film, sometimes I have to keep going and going and going. And my, my theory on watching film on Synergy is I pull up the guy's clips and I, I watch all of his field goal attempts. Or either I'd either do field goal attempts or I'd do like possessions plus assist. So that way I can see all his field goal attempts and the passes that he made. And then I like to hit random. So when I hit random, it's uh, it's a way of just kind of just putting games in a random order. I don't know if it's the first game, the last game, or the middle of the season. Sometimes if I have it in like the, the order of first game or last game, if a guy has a really good game, then I can be kind of skewed a little bit to like really liking him. And then as I kind of get further on in the film, I'm like, wait a minute. Or if a guy has a really bad game, I don't want like my first impression to be like, oh, I don't like this guy because he shot two for 12 this particular game. So I like to put it on random and it can still happen when I do it like that on random, but it just kind of gives you just different games and different points throughout the season. So I don't have to say this. El Marco was the guy that stood out from beginning to end. I like his size, 6'3", 185. He has a good combination of burst and speed but also has like really good pace. He is a really, really good athlete, like a sneaky good athlete. His game isn't necessarily based off of like crazy athleticism. It's not like a, a Jaden Ivey, for example, or even like maybe the Thompson twins. It is like pace and, and handles and shiftiness and then boom, he takes off and you're like, wow. I mean, there are a couple plays where he you know, got to a spot, made a crossover, and just took up, took off and finished above the rim. Then I saw him catching lobs at 6'3". Like, he was catching lobs. Like, they were running plays for him like, like he was a, a big. He's fast in the open floor, good transition finisher, has to handle and pace to, like, get to his spots. And usually when you see athletic guards, they usually just have one speed and they don't necessarily have the, the pace or the rhythm to just get to their pull-up jumper, which is something El Marco does. He's creative off the dribble, 
crafty, knows how to create space, whether it's step backs or just getting defenders off balance with his ball handling. Again, quick first step, loves to get downhill, can pressure the rim. Is a good pull-up shooter. And like I mentioned, he get to a spot and, and has the pace, kind of like Scoot in a sense. I don't know if he's as good of an athlete as Scoot, but the pace to get to his pull-up is there, which is something that I really like. And defenders just can't stay in front of him. He's a good foul shooter. The concern is, is he a point? I know based off the numbers that I had, he had a negative assist to turnover ratio, which is always concerning. And then he's going to Kansas and they have Dewan Harris, who's gonna have the ball in his hand. So he's gonna have to play off the ball. And then Kansas also has Arterio Morris. And so I just wonder, like, I don't know how it's gonna work, but El Marco Jackson really stood out to me. He is the player that I am higher on than the consensus. I've seen a couple mocks and they have him going late first round. I think he could be the player that is considered a mid first round guy that could skyrocket up to the top half of the draft or even the lottery because I think he has it all. I've heard that he's played really well, just open gyms at, at KU, but I've also heard that he has been like really impressive as a passer. So hopefully that's all true. But El Marco Jackson, remember where you heard it first, El Marco Jackson is the guy that I am higher on than the consensus. And I think there's a chance that he could crack the top five of the 2024 NBA draft. Well, that wraps up this episode. Again, I know it's you know, the start of Summer League and you want to hear about Summer League, but I just couldn't wait to talk about guys in the 2024 draft. I've spent the weekend studying them. So actually probably the last week watching their film and studying. Cannot wait to put together like a full first round mock draft. I'm not going to add the teams. I think it's crazy to add the teams in there because I don't know how good the teams are going to be. But I mean, I don't know how good the players are going to be. So it'll just be um, a, a ranking. But I'm looking forward to putting that together because again, I am excited to watch and study film on new prospects. Once again, that wraps it up. It's Rafael Barlow. Big shout out to all the listeners that make Locked On NBA Big Boy your first, second, third, or fourth. Even if it's your sixth listen of the day, the fact that you listen, I really appreciate it. And tomorrow will be a recap of day one of Summer League. I'm out.